This is the Quantum Tech Pod, brought to you by Inside Quantum Technology, covering industry analysis, data, and market forecasting for quantum technology markets worldwide. Now, here's your host, Christopher Bishop. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Quantum Tech Pod. I'm delighted you're listening. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, depending on where you're sitting on the planet. My guest today is Vanessa Diaz, the CEO of Lux Quanta. Vanessa is a telecommunication engineer, passionate about learning new technologies and identifying new business opportunities. She worked for 19 years in the telecommunication industry, initially focused on R&D positions, followed by more than a decade working in commercial roles in international markets. Before joining LexQuanta, Vanessa worked at Corning as a market development engineer for 17 years, an R&D engineer at RIMSA, and a network supervisor at Vodafone. Her company, LuxQuanta, was formed in May of 2021 as a spinoff from ICFO, the Institute of Photonic Sciences, a world-leading research center on photonics and quantum technologies, where it had been incubated for over four years. The company delivers quantum key distribution, QKD systems, and technologies to be integrated into existing network infrastructures to provide a quantum-safe layer of security on top of mathematical cryptographic techniques. LuxQuanta is committed to promoting the growth of the quantum cryptography ecosystem in Europe, and they are a member of several major organizations that share this vision and are dedicated to stimulating a thriving quantum industry across Europe. LuxQuanta's headquarters are in Barcelona, and they currently have 22 employees. So welcome, Vanessa. Thanks very much for joining me. Thank you very much for the invitation, Chris. It's a pleasure being here. So, Vanessa, I always like to start the podcast by asking my guests to share a bit about their own personal quantum journey. And my objective is twofold. First of all, to give our audience a sense of what you did before you joined Lux Quanta, but also to orient our listeners more broadly to the fact that there are many ways and various paths that people have taken to get into the field of quantum information science. So if you could share a bit about your background and path so far, maybe where you grew up, where you went to school, what you studied insight into the companies and organizations I mentioned where you uh, have worked in the past. Right. Well, I was born in a family uh, where my parents were both a, a doctor and a nurse. So I always thought that my destiny was becoming a doctor, but I was pretty decent at maths. So my teachers encouraged me to pursue a, an engineering degree. And I literally scrolled down the options and telecommunication sounded great. So back in the in the north of spain where i'm from in a small village i went to um still by the seaside in, a, in the region next to to study this this engineering degree and when i finished i was very haunted about the different options i wasn't really sure where to go i, I always enjoyed uh, technology so for me definitely was a, a right initial choice but i didn't know where to go whether something very technical or something more commercial so Clarity often comes from engagement, and that's what I did. So I jumped onto the first uh, jobs that they were very uh, technically oriented. It was great because I built a great technical foundation that later on it was very useful in my professional career. But eventually I realized that I wanted to be less on the on the lab and more with the customers and deciding the strategy. So I decided to just jump, leave absolutely everything, and I went to Australia, and I did a, a postgraduate master in marketing and business, hoping that that could open the door for the kind of job that I was, at that time in my career, no, searching for. And it, it worked, because when I was back in Europe, I landed what 
back then was the job of my dreams. He was working with Corning as a market development manager in the optical communications division. So I had the pleasure to work with a very extensive uh, range of uh, sales engineers and uh, product line managers in the marketing team as well. So it was a very 360 kind of job. I was actually at the forefront of innovation because I was uh, the right hand of the sales managers when new technologies needed to be introduced. So I could still nurture that background I had as an engineer, but I could then start making a, a big change in terms of sales and strategy uh, working in this commercial arena no, within the company. So I was with Corning over a decade and eventually there was this uh, need for something else. Uh, Corning is a wonderful company. They they really tried to hold me back, uh, but there wasn't exactly the, the type of job for me to grow into available at that time. And that's when the an ex-colleague of mine, actually, who sits at the board in Luxwanda, mentioned to me that there was a, a vacancy for, for a job in a quantum company uh, that was in Barcelona. So when I heard the word quantum and I heard about the role that it was supposed to grow into the CEO, um, I'm, for me, it was just a no-brainer. I had to jump onto it. So it's been now two wonderful years in the what I believe is the job of my life. I never thought I could reach out for this kind of uh, roles because when you grow up in very large corporations, you perceive them as an impossible target not to to really aim for. And right now I look back and it almost feels like everything I was, I've been doing all this time adds together no? so I can do a, a good job here. I want to believe that I'm doing a good job here. And it's great because I can define the strategy. I can work extremely close to the technical team because it's a very small company. And I can also nurture the team. That's one of the things that I enjoy the most as well. Yeah. What a great story. Thank you so much for sharing. Um, let's talk about Lux Qantas. So how was it founded? I, I mentioned in my intro remarks it was spun out of a larger organization. But wondering, like, who started the company? What was the motivation to kind of pull something out of what sounds like a, a more of a research environment, as you were describing, to yeah. put something, build a private sector company, go to market with a portfolio? Well, this is where the, the research center that we come from did a fantastic job. Uh, ICFO, um, they, they nurture different technologies related with photonic science. And when they realize that there is a technology that is extremely disruptive and the market is very much ready to, to um, nurture it no? and, and take it to the next level, they build a spin-off. So we are a spin-off number 10. And the project was born as a company after almost four years of incubation. So the co-founders of the company, uh, Sebastian Echeverry, Said Kasemi, and Valerio Pruneri, they were working for over those four years, preparing the, the setting the, the basics, no? the, the ground of the technology that we inherited as a company. And that was in May 2021. That's when the company was uh, founded. We inherited um, in, in a form of, of patents no, a, a technology that it was already pretty highly mature. So what we had to do was giving it a, a big push. So I entered into the company six months after it was founded. And that's what we've been focusing on, um, which we did. In February this year, we released the first uh, flavor of the technology that we work with. No? We work with quantum key distribution, but it's a flavor called continuous variable that offers a lot of benefits that can be summarized on ease of integration. This technology is meant to facilitate the deployment um, worldwide. So let's talk about portfolio. Let's sort of get into it. 
Um, what kinds of solutions are you providing? Hardware, software, and services. Um, tell, tell our listeners about the Lux Quanta portfolio. What we deliver is hardware. It's just that inside of the hardware, uh, there is also a lot of know-how in terms of uh, signal processing and also software. It's like there are three layers. But at the end, what we sell is a, is a hardware unit that you place one in one side of the link and the other one in the other side of the link with an optical fiber, no? connecting them both. And what they do is they are they are like a very safe courier. No? So they are like, a, like the mailman that brings a cryptographic key that you're going to use to then encrypt the information so nobody can read it when you transmit it through the internet. So what these machines do is basically send this key from one side to the other side of the link in a very secure way. And they do so by relying on the laws of physics. Let's say that they, they um, code the information of the key in the light and we, we send the light very, very attenuated. So it starts behaving as per the, the laws of quantum physics. And in that realm, if you look at literally a particle that is, is in the quantum realm, you are going to affect it. And therefore, the two units can detect if there is an eavesdropper try, trying to get information about the key. If that's the case, they stop the communication. But if the, the channel, no, the optical fiber is clean, that are not, not, nobody's listening, then the both units have a key that they can pass to the applications above. So the applications start using those keys to, to encrypt the information and protect it. So the beauty of this technology is that because it relies on the laws of quantum physics is quantum safe. And what I mean by that is right now, the cryptography that we use today is based on the difficulty to solve a mathematical problem. So we are also using keys, but if you intercept the information and you have a very strong computer or you come up with a very fancy new mathematical algorithm, you could potentially extract the, the key that unlocks the information. We do something that is completely away from a mathematical problem. No, it's just the laws of physics. So even when quantum computers get the achieve the capacity that is expected, no, that we know for sure that once they get to that point, they will be able to crack our current cryptography, the, the one based on mathematics, our solution which will stand against this. So at the end, what we deliver is a, a hardware-based cryptographic solution that is quantum safe. Great. Now, thank you for explaining the, the context for this. Uh, very important, I think, for listeners who may or may not be aware um, yeah, that this is an urgent conversation for clients. Speaking of clients, um, our listeners are always interested in, you know, uh, the addressable opportunity and who's adopting your solution. Can you describe uh, information about, you know, who who's uh, adopting your solution? Maybe are there a range of verticals? Are there early adopters in specific verticals maybe that are more um, apprehensive about the impact of Y2Q or the ability of quantum computers to crack, you know, current encryption protocols? Sure. Um, there is um, the innovators, we can say that they are the governmental and public institutions. So there is a a frantic geopolitical race across the world to have this technology quantum key distribution uh, ideally manufacture within their their countries no so they can deploy it and protect their network so the european commission is highly concerned and that's the reason why they've been uh, funding with uh, a lot of uh, i'd say hundreds of millions of euros no to the european manufacturers of this technology to make sure that it's ready for a very broad deployment that they want to 
do is called a Euro QCI, Euro Quantum Communications Infrastructure. And they want to have a, a backbone, like a, a, a basic set of links no, in each member state and interconnecting them as well by 2027. So they are the... These type of institutions are the ones that right now are at the forefront of installing, no, adopting, installing, learning from this technology. But the rest of the world is waking up to the fact that the time to start thinking, looking, understanding this technology, defining our roadmap is now. At the end, when we think about quantum computers, we might um, wrongly assume that there is still a long way to go because we heard that they are working now with a few hundred of bits, of qubits, sorry. And for these computers to be relevant and really hack, for example, the cryptography that we use today, we're going to need millions. But it's growing exponentially. Uh, there are estimations from the U.S. Homeland Security offices that estimates that by 2030, that will become uh, a reality and a real threat. And if we think about the time that we need to understand the technology, define the roadmap and deploy it itself, the time is now. So that's why we see all the verticals that are getting more and more um, interested in the technology. So, for example, telecommunication operators, they are one of the main potential benefits of this technology because they can deploy them in their own networks. So right. we could potentially talk to each other and ask, for example, uh, the, the telco provider in our country to give us the keys so we can have a very safe communication. The financial institutions are also very interested. They are actually some of the pioneers deploying quantum key distribution technologies. And it makes sense because they are handling financial information and information about their customers that is very delicate. They are, for example, constantly accessing data centers uh, back and forth with that kind of information. But we also see um, uh, utilities, for example, electricity companies, they not only distribute the electricity or the water, they also have normally a, an optical fiber network running in parallel. And that carries sometimes mission critical applications that need protection. No? And actually, they are some of the potential users that right now are, are suffering from most of the cyber attacks that we are seeing out there. And we can even think about hospitals as well. So they, again, they are handling very delicate data. So in reality, anyone who wants to protect their information. Yes. No, thank you for sharing that. So in preparing for um, our conversation, I, I read that your solution, Nova LQ, is the very first quantum key distribution solution to be integrated into AWS Marketplace. So first of all, congratulations. That's very exciting news. Thank you. Um, can you tell our listeners about that partnership, how that evolved and what the what the plans are for continued interaction? What we have done is integrated our system with Amazon Web Services applications. So we can uh, be listed no, in Amazon Web Service Marketplace. That was the, the big achievement because you're right, we were the first ones to do so. So we're very, very excited and very proud. So what we're offering here is the possibility to protect the link that runs from a customer premises to the co-located data center no, where the, the Amazon uh, router is to enter into their network. So the idea is that we can run these keys as a protective layer underneath the, the uh, what is called Amazon Elect Elast Elastic Cloud Computer Endpoints, meaning for those who use these technologies, they will this will ring the bell. No? So edge services, including Snowcon, Snow, Snowball, and Outposts, they can they can be integrated with these keys that we are constantly generating. No? So we could protect those those links that are running into a public network in reality. That's very exciting. Again, look forward to, to hearing more about that and watching that evolve. Let's talk about another partnership, a relationship uh, with Evolution Q. 
So I read that you've developed integration with their Basejump QDN proprietary software to connect various QKD suppliers in order to establish a secure quantum network. How, how did that evolve and what's, what's that relationship like? Uh, this gets very interesting because like in life, uh, you're nobody if you don't have friends and family. So I <laughs> yep. think, uh, if you think about uh, a network, at the end it's an ecosystem of machines. So we need to make sure that we get along and, and we integrate with other pieces or other machines that are part of this puzzle. So when we think about a quantum key distribution link, we always think about these two units prote protecting this one link. But if we go back to the image no, of this network operator that has a mesh of these links um, spreading all over the city, and you and I, Chris, we want to communicate, so we're going to need the keys to go through this network. We're going to need a set of keys. That's the reason why we need another um, layer of machines that they are called uh, key management systems. The acronym is KMS. And they are the, the ones that with software, they control all the different keys that are around and they help define uh, which key after which one. So you can go, you know, uh, across the entire city from side to side. So that's the work that we've done with Evolution Q. They are a terrific company uh, led with uh, led by a terrific team of people. Actually, it was a pleasure working with them and the, and the collaboration continues. And what we've done is making sure that our solution, Nova LQ, and their solution, Basejump QDN software, they communicate together. So they can um, integrate you know, our, our system alongside other, other QKD vendors uh, so we can deliver these keys they can handle them, and overall, we can offer a solution that is uh, extensive uh, over a wide range, you no, know, in terms of geography. Good. It's a great, great partnership, great company, Evolution Q, for sure. So, congrats on that as well. And that makes a lot of sense about the interoperability, um, the importance of interoperability in this with these protocols. As, as someone sitting at the top of a, a you know influential company. Talking about secure communication, I want to ask you if you could sh share with our listeners your take on, you know, what we call the difference between QKD and post-quantum cryptography, right? PQC. This topic's getting a lot of attention these days. Um, I want to get your take again on, you know, the difference between these two protocols, how they protect enterprise and government data, communication channels, maybe pros and cons, how they interoperate, how they connect. Sure. Uh, what, what settings might be best for specific applications? Okay, we, we can start recapping on what this acronym means. So quantum key distribution, at the end, we said that we rely on the laws of quantum physics to send a cryptographic key in a safely way from one side of the link to the other. Post-quantum cryptography is the natural evolution of the cryptography that we use today based on mathematical problems. So what they are doing is finding a very, really hard to crack mathematical problems that respect will, will withstand the attack of a quantum computer when they get the, the capacity, you know, that, the, that will become a, a threat. Right. So it's two different approaches. So these are the guys, so the, the post-quantum um, cryptography manufacturers, they work with software. So you could say that our solution, quantum key distribution, is based on hardware and theirs is based on software. So the answer to the question, no, the, the, the tricky question, which one is best? Well, once again, like in life, uh, pretending to use the same pair of shoes for every 
uh, walk that you you go for. You, you're not. It's not the same going to a, to a, to the mountains than walking the city than going to a fancy party. So you have to identify the solution that makes most most sense for you, depending on the the type of information that you want to protect, the the finances that you also have, because the reality is that um, quantum key distribution requires a, a bit more of investment. On the contrary. Quantum key distribution, it gives you the guarantee that uh, you will not have to update the algorithm algorithms in the future because, you know, we rely on on, on quantum physics, no? Right. Well, you can actually use both. You could potentially uh, put one on top of the other, and that's what we always uh, refer to when we say that we add a, an extra layer of, protect, of protection on top of mathematical uh, techniques or cryptographic techniques. So it just depends. Uh, both solutions, I think, are great. And we try to be, to do a, a, a honest exercise when we talk to our customers, um, assessing where in the link uh, is more, it makes more sense to start with one or the other, no? Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you for explaining that. I appreciate it. Our listeners will definitely um, be, be more, more enlightened about the pros and cons of those two approaches. And again, as you say, sort of uh, depending on the situation, you know, both might be appropriate and based on what the business need is, right? Correct. There is, um, it's very interesting because the different uh, regions in the world having a different uh, position about this. So for example, in North America, NIST organization, they are uh, hunting, no? hunting down these super strong algorithms. Right. Um, they have a contest running for a few years and we have now coming to an end no? with the finalists. Yeah. Um, while, for example, the European Commission is very stubborn on, on making sure that they have quantum key distribution ready. Um, China, for example, is going crazy as well about quantum key distribution. So they have the most extensive network uh, of this technology deployed in the world. So I think that the the job for both types of solution is to uh, mature them, get them as fit as, as possible in terms of uh, security strengths, and then combine our, our strengths for the, the threats to, that will come. Evolving space, for sure, but very exciting. Uh, I know that you're a firm believer in the importance of gender parity in tech and especially in quantum. I read a quote from you and I'm going to share it with our listeners and I'd like you to elaborate on it. Uh, I read that you said, quote, I see so many women out there ridiculously highly qualified, still questioning whether they can do the job, whether they fit the role. If you believe you can do it, just fight for it. So what's your guidance for women interested in pursuing a career in quantum information science? Well, um, that's when I was uh, saying that sentence, I was, I was actually thinking about myself um, because yeah. uh, I, I've been the first one questioning whether I was capable of doing the different jobs that I, I've been going for, and especially the last one, no? because of the, the characteristics, the novelty, the level of responsibility, and also because it was a big jump into a, a new technology, you, know, you quantum communications, quantum cryptography. My advice is, what I said, fight for it. I think it's normal to fear that you might not be able to to do something when everybody else who is doing that something looks completely different to you. you know? So the the tech industry in general is, is still very male-dominated. And that's why when you approach this 
environment where everybody speaks different from how you speak. They dress differently as well. They approach people and, and the commercial relationships and the personal relationships in a different way. You wonder whether your approach is also valid. So there is a, a leap of faith that we need to make here. Um, and, and when I say fight for it, it's, a, it's an easy thing to say, but it's a hard one to execute because yeah. um, you convincing oneself that you can do it definitely is step number number zero. But then there will be difficulties because the we everybody is very biased. Uh, ourselves, I am biased myself too. So we are going to encounter problems along the way. And the recipe is not unique. Depending on each case scenario, uh, sometimes we'll have to be super brave and maybe try leaving the company that we've been working for a few years. In some other cases, is uh, face our supervisor and, and the supervisor above, use a mentor maybe in the company so they can help us uh, not only elaborate in the, the, the career path, but also execute on it and ask yeah. for it. Because sometimes I think that um, we're too feared to ask. And I would say that we have to revert no? the, the two advices I, I've, I've given right now. So try first at home where you are right now and surround yourself by the right support in terms of colleagues, uh, members, uh, sorry, mentors, and also your supervisors. And if that doesn't work and for whatever reason there is no space, if the personal situation allows, then jump outside and and go somewhere else so they, where you can have that pathway. When you get there, it's, it's such a joy. Um, stretch your legs when you feel that you've been capable of doing so much more and eventually you are given the opportunity gosh it's a scary but it's a joy you wake up in the morning with a hell of a feeling <laughs> a terrific advice yeah finding mentors and going for it being don't be don't be afraid to look for an opportunity thank you for sharing that i want to get your take on challenges facing a company like quanta um, like yours finding talent so how do you go about recruiting like Many companies have affiliations with universities, maybe if uh, you're located in a university town, it makes it easier perhaps. Or, And also your take on are, are the roles in specific disciplines maybe that are harder to fill than others? Oh, yes. Um, very good question. So we're very lucky because since we are a spin-out of uh, ICFO, this research center, and we haven't moved far away from them, we are literally across the road, because the, the connection with them is still very strong. They are super helpful and they are full of talent because they have doctors from all over the world, extremely uh, with, with great qualifications. So we we steal some of them when they are ready not to conquer the world. <laughs> but we are always collaborating with the, the local universities. Um, we go there and tell them about Los Cuantas project. I personally try to be the one speaking in behalf of the company to see if we can uh, lure some of the female talents because they, they are scarce, that's the reality. So we are struggling to uh, achieve this gender balance, particularly on the technical side of the company. And then our marketing is also very oriented towards them. So there is a lot of resources we try to put out there that are, they bring closer to them quantum technologies to demystify them, make them not only sound familiar, but also super cool as they, they truly are. And that's how we are we are approaching this problem. The other thing that we are doing with some specific jobs, like, for example, software developers, they really scarce right now. It's very difficult. So what we're doing is being as flexible as we can. So if we need to 
uh, allow them to work in a different country like it just happened with one of our employees he went back to canada to to live with his family there that moved over there um we just worked um moved everything possible to make sure that we could still work with him he could still work with us and say i think it's very cool that we have uh, an employee living in canada now so flexibility is this is 21st century the pandemic i think showed us that a remote work can be done i am remote i'm the ceo of the company and i'm based in madrid i try to go to barcelona as much as i can but i'm, I'm still remote but if you do a proper use of the tools that you have and you establish this culture around um digital work uh, you you can actually have uh, the team extremely integrated still feeling part of it so that's what we we're having to do these days great well thank you Vanessa, we're coming to the end of our session here, and I always like to conclude the podcast by asking my guest to kind of look into their crystal ball and or wax philosophic or share your vision of where quantum computing might be in five to 10 years broadly and what kind of impact you think it'll have on how we live and work. That's oh, my God, that's, that's a really good question. I'm, I'm right now excited and, and amazed at what um, artificial intelligence can do for us. And I think that this is the just the first step towards what the future has for us around the corner because five, ten years is nothing. Quantum computers should eventually reach enough capacity to do outstanding things. One of the ones that I can't wait to see is how we model the weather on Earth because right now we have a huge climate problem, no? And it'd be great if there was a, a mathematical a brain that could help us at least prevent what could happen so we can prepare for tornadoes and hurricanes, but also see how we can fix it. On the personal side, the implications that this is going to have, and professional as well, they are difficult to measure. Um, look at the way that we are working today just because we have these uh, AIs no, giving us support and how much easier our job is. So I wonder, I don't know, how, um, how much further we will be able to go because um, some tasks that right now are consuming our time and somebody has to do them could be accomplished by a very strong powerful machine like a quantum computer I, I just i don't know i've always felt that i belong to the future and i was born a bit too soon but i actually find myself feeling extremely lucky that i'm i'm living this time of change my generation, um, I think, experienced already a lot of evolution. No? So I remember my, my grandparents, a microwave, it was something from another planet. And <laughs> we got used to pretty cool things. But I think it's yeah. nothing comparing to what's yet to come. And we are going to see it and we are going to have the, the experience, the adventure of adapting to it. Not born with it and taking it for granted, but adapting to it and then make the most of it. Also, we will be able to decide how to use these things and how we best employ them. Probably we will be the generation that will be able to make these decisions. So it's a privilege to see what the future has for us. Great. Well, Vanessa, thank you so much for sharing that perspective and for joining me on the on the podcast today. I want to invite people to follow you and the company on LinkedIn. Point them to your website, luxquanta.com. You also have a Twitter handle, at luxquanta on X, right? Formerly Twitter. So yes. thank you again. I really enjoyed our conversation. Thank you very much. The pleasure was absolutely mine.
Thanks again, Vanessa, for joining me today. Thanks to all of you for listening. Please share this podcast on your social media channels to increase the impact of my conversation with Vanessa. Listen to my other podcast episodes if you haven't already, and please feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn. This has been a production of Inside Quantum Technology. You've been listening to the Quantum Tech Pod, brought to you by Inside Quantum Technology. For more information on this episode or other topics relating to quantum technology, visit InsideQuantumTechnology.com.